0: And, and we, we are Burdened are with, with Glorious podcasts. Podcast
1: Welcome back to the show where we talk about our favorite trickster god Loki Now streaming on Disney Plus And folks, you know, I realize we were supposed to review Thor Ragnarok by now But, uh,
0: a what if Something came up happened <laughs> Something happened this week that was not that chill And... Um, i
1: realized watching it this has given us enough material for our own episode worth because i feel like if we didn't like separate this then i would have easily spent half of our ragnarok episode just talking about this one
0: ladies and gentlemen we are talking about the party thor episode of what if Yes, we
1: have seen many sides to Thor throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Arrogant Warrior Thor, Proud Prince Thor, Short Hair Thor, Fat Thor. But we now finally have, I'll say sorry, but I'm not taking off my glasses, Thor.
0: (laughs) We we have a Thor who cannot spell his own name. (laughs) And
1: yet this is somehow the best possible version of Thor and the best possible version of Loki and except for that one mind fucking of an ending the best of all possible worlds it would seem
0: yeah which what the hell was up with that (laughs) (laughs) oh god it's like what what is going on here and you know not to not to jump forward too much, but maybe we might as well get this out of the way. Was it just me, or was there kind of just this element of it being, like, it, it felt a little bit, I know it was being done dead seriously, but it felt a little bit like when you have, like, a parody of a boss battle where they just keep producing more and more weapons. Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like, you know, when it's like, Oh, shit, it's Ultron. Oh, shit, he's got the Infinity Stones on his chest. Oh, shit, it's Vision? (laughs) Like, what is going on here? Well, it was explained in the next episode. I'm sure sure that they're going to go ahead and, like, you know, tie that into some kind of what-if grand finale or something like that. But right now, I'm just content to just ignore the rest of that and focus on the fact that this episode had the exact vibe of a Shrek sequel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this was by far the lightest, lowest possible stakes episode of the entire What If series, but in a way that only really brought attention to the darkness just beneath the surface. Because usually with this show, the majority of their episodes has had a very uh, dark, intense scenario as if to tell the viewer, see, as bad as things got in the main timeline, they never got this bad and terrible. And this is really sort of the opposite in that not only is it like the by far like the happiest, lightest mood, it really tells you, hey, why couldn't the main timeline be like this? Oh my god, that's kind
0: of awful the more I think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I think it's probably worth discussing the fact that, you know, everybody in this timeline seemed to have Vastly shifted priorities, except for um, Carol and Shield. Mm-hmm. Like everybody in this episode is just ready, ready to hang loose. Everybody's hanging out together. I mean, you, you, you had the Sovereign out there. You had the Sovereign just hanging out on Earth. Like, <laughs> like what? It, like, like Thor's party people powers are are apparently so intense. That he can actually get the Sovereign to, like, you know, condescend to go and hang out with, a, with like, regular people who aren't, you know, gold. Yeah?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, this really does, own, the lightness of this episode just really serves to bring attention to the darkness of everywhere else. Of, like, it really almost feels like a punch in the gut watching this episode to know that a single choice from Odin was responsible for so much butterfly wings flapping across the ocean of the MCU, <laughs> you know, of like, and,
0: and somehow those butterfly wings turned into house music. You know, it, it went from just a little, you know, the little butterfly flitter noise straight into, you know, that's, that's how it works. I'm pretty sure science says that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like so the premise,
1: uh, for those who have yet to see this, and I highly recommend that you change that, uh, the premise is what if Thor was an only child and that Odin decided to uh, keep Loki on Jotunheim and because they never grew up as brothers, uh, we have the effect of Loki never having a stage of self-loathing and that never really giving him a reason to be a villain. And likewise with Thor, that never really uh, gave him any insecurity because he was always, he always knew life as an only child. And in doing so, he never had, like, the stress of feeling that he had to compete or prove himself or feel like he had to, like, do these goals to, like, really win over his father's favor. And in case you didn't notice, that it's not just that Thor is a complete hedonist. He doesn't have any of the aggression that he had in the first film. He didn't really have any, uh, desire to assert himself or, like, start battles or or win fights or any of that toxic masculinity stuff that was so prominent in the first film.
0: He, he just, he literally travels the universe throwing absolute razors. <laughs> he, he, he just, he, he is just going around and just, you know, he going around and just acquiring this mass of party people who travel with him. Like he's some kind of, you know, Jay Gatsby that people actually like.
1: Well, he's less Thor and more Dionysus, really.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, and the the funny thing is, is that now that I've thought this through it, it, I can't actually think of any like very specific examples other than this, which might have been the purest example of this idea I've ever seen. But something that I've always thought is very funny is when you have characters whose entire lives are devoted to going places and partying. I always think it's really funny when people like deploy that in a cartoon or something and seeing that happen here. And it being the focus of the entire episode was just like, this was made for me. They made this episode for me. I mean, I I think that for like a much more, you know, dark comedy iteration of this kind of trope is, um, thinking of the, the episode of Aqua Teen where their lawn becomes a party spot for furries. (laughs)
1: Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that, because my only real grievance with this episode is it didn't go far enough. You know, like, it should have gone just full adult swim with sex jokes and absurdist behavior. Like, if the writers for C-Lab 2021 had this assignment, like, can you imagine a chain of people going, "Uh uh-oh, that went all the way to the (laughs) watcher?
0: I mean, I, I was thinking very specifically of, of Meatwad bonding with the furries because, you know, he has no idea what's going on. And all he knows is that, you know, when he puts his arms up like this, they all go, ho, oh, and then if he shows, oh, yeah, they all go, oh, yeah, back at him. And, like, that's the kind of thing that I feel like must at least be happening in the universe of this
1: episode. <laughs> it's
0: like... Uh, he's like either a Norse
1: Duffman or a human form Spuds <laughs> McKenzie.
0: <laughs> he's the original party Thor. Oh, uh. oh God! No, no, the Duffman can. They really, they really missed out not playing. Oh yeah. Now that you say that.
1: Well, they really, really missed out on having all the pieces in the puzzle and them not deciding to do a techno-viking joke.
0: (laughs) Well, but, you know, he doesn't know about Horse God. (laughs) Truly the purest example of of Himbo Thor we've gotten so far. (laughs) His, His entire job is being handsome and having a good time and he doesn't really need to learn anything from this either <laughs> because it literally just turns into oh shit my mom's coming everybody everybody hide the party we just had my mom's coming like that is literally the climax of this episode i i cannot it emphasize takes directly that enough. from risky business <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for the fact that we've been trying very hard to not get nerfed on the copyright front, especially because, as it is, we're already doing, you know, a Marvel after-show. The kind of thing that only is able to exist, because it is so clearly not a professional product. We are not making any money from this. You know, the, the sheer number of times that I swear on this alone should tell you that. But, <laughs> something that I've that I really wanted to do for this, and I came this close to suggesting it to Maureen before I was like, "No, no, I don't, I don't want to risk getting in trouble for it." Was I? I really wanted to open the episode just with those couple, just with the um, the piano chords from old time rock and roll. Oh, okay. I like after the intro, just da 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 da.
1: <laughs> I like the way you think. It just that for me personally, if I could avoid any copyright hassle, I would have uh, done the opening notes to uh, "We Like to Party" by the Vengaboys.
0: You know, I thought of that too, except for one thing, and that is that I worked at a Six Flags park in the early two thousands, and that has an entire other set of associations for me. <laughs> um. For those of you who missed out on this or actually for that matter since we have so many people listening in the UK apparently. Hi guys. Hey. Um there was the Six Flags is a chain of amusement parks in the US and for a while there in the early 2000s their mascot was named Mr. Six and he was this hideous little ti- this little tiny little old man who was actually played by a much younger dancer in very heavy old-age makeup. Like,
1: if they tried to do Benjamin Button without the CGI.
0: And basically the entire point of the commercials, at least early on before they just had him dancing, was, you know, you would just see him, you know, kind of doddering around with a walker, and then here comes the Six Flags party bus, and it's playing We Like to Party by the Benga Boys, and all of a sudden he's, you know throwing the he throws the walker aside and just just starts going absolutely buck wild you know just dancing up a storm and 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 you know and he basically ends up almost like pied pipering people to you know go have fun at six flags and i worked at a six flags um for a few halloween seasons in the early 2000s and let me tell you how much the backstage hated the mr six character to the point where one of our houses one of the haunted houses that we had for Halloween actually had a body in the one of the morgue scenes dressed like Mr. Six.
1: <laughs> I mean, I hate Mr. Six as a character, but that doesn't stop
0: me from loving the song. <laughs> it's It really is just, when I think back on that, I, I, I just remember how, you know, the handful of times, especially during the week when they were only opening up for Fright Fest in the evening as I was going into work and getting ready to clock in, you could hear that they were playing We Like to Party to welcome people into the park. It was a whole thing. So, it is officially the start of spooky season.
1: And we have got a special story to set the mood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, while we're while we're thinking about uh, Mr. Six and the fact that I, I worked at a Six Flags park, um... I really should add that the that the Mr. 6 welcoming ceremony thing that only happened when I had been there for at least a year or so. I would I only worked seasonally at Fright Fest in the haunted houses. Um because the first year I was there, it was it was the fucking wild west out there. There was nobody from corporate paying attention to what was going on in this park. It was not originally a Six Flags park. It had been purchased by them fairly recently and they had not managed to put any s and and very little branding down on the park so far which meant that Halloween season especially I mean it was they just did whatever they wanted um you know at, at any given moment walking out to get picked up at the end of the night because I was still a teenager you know they would be playing music and and it would be anything from highlights from the concept album of the Jekyll and Hyde musical to straight up just playing This Is Halloween at a Six Flags park, which is owned by Time Warner Media. I I, I really... I As really you do. To to yeah, no, it was... And probably the strangest part of this whole thing was that once they started having to rotate more people into the zombie zones because of the high risk of injury, the zombie zones, for the record were a section of what was normally regular pedestrian walkway that was marked as basically a close encounter zone. Um, they typically only put um, fairly sturdy cis men who were willing to sign a waiver into the zombie zone because that was an area where there was nothing to protect you if you got hit, if somebody lunged at you. So they definitely weren't putting any... any like There were no minors allowed in there. And generally speaking, they only tended to put in uh, really sturdy cis guys. But they did kind of have to start rotating it because one guy got some teeth knocked out at one point, And they realized that they were like, even with this setup, we can't have the same guys in Zombie Zone every night. Mm-hmm. And we had one guy in there who did a really, really good cursed Jack Sparrow makeup. And I was playing a vampire in one of the haunted houses... And I went in there, and he was in there looking incredibly sour, dressed as Gary Oldman Dracula when he's still old. And I was like, oh, I thought you were in the zombie zones. And he was like, no, they got somebody else. And incidentally, in the makeup room earlier, there had been some girls in there giggling about, like, you know, oh, have you met Jack yet? And I was like, who's Jack? And they were like, okay, you haven't met Jack yet. And I went on my break, and I popped out my teeth, and dear God, there was a Jack Sparrow there. And he was not cursed, Jack Sparrow. It was like they had just picked him up and plunked him in there. And I, I I, do not know what this man's deal was. He was never out of character. I'm pretty sure he was actually drinking rum on the job. Um, he, he actually did smell mostly like sea salt, a little bit of body odor, and, and rum. Um, he somehow kept his his conversations, his frame of reference entirely from a jack sparrow perspective i do not know what was going on here <laughs> i mean it actually got to the point where like i had to do like some compare like you know a friend of mine years later was just like are, are you sure that this wasn't just like johnny depp fucking around with you guys and i and i like i had to look up what he was doing at the time and i'm pretty sure he was filming sweeney todd while we were doing this <laughs> so this was not this was not that kind of situation and on top of that you know i never saw this guy interacting with enough children for me to believe that and i i don't know what it was he was like this the entire season had i had any attraction to the character to begin with which to be honest i didn't this killed it i i am i am fundamentally incapable of being attracted to jack sparrow after having lived through this my my co-worker jack sparrow is just like such a very specific boner killer here, you guys. It 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 really just puts an entire other lens on watching those movies. And to top everything off, we had our end of season party at a theater in town, and um, I was waiting to get picked up at the end with um, a friend of mine, and who had actually start. She had actually started seeing the guy that he had pretty much replaced, who just loathed him completely and so we were standing there waiting and it was kind of a foggy night there was a lot of uh you know there was it was you couldn't really see across the street you could just kind of see the parking lot and the street lamps and as we're standing there waiting jack sparrow comes out of the party and kind of like you know drapes his arms somehow over all three of us at once and i can't really do the voice but he's just like Well, I've had a lovely time, but I'm afraid I must be going. Evening, all. And he does like this big, elaborate bow, complete with like tipping the hat. And he just like saunters off with complete with like the little Jack Sparrow hands and everything, walking across the parking lot and literally vanishing in the mist until like until we can't see him anymore. (laughs) And there's just this pause. And Josh, the guy that he had replaced, who was out there smoking a cigarette. He just kind of stares after him and just goes you know I don't know what happened here tonight and then he like took a deep drag on his cigarette and exhaled and he just goes but I'm real fucking glad it's over (laughs) and he just like dropped his cigarette and you know kind of stubbed it out with his foot and went back into the party and I never saw the Jack Sparrow guy again
1: You best start believing Chris Fleming videos, Miss Turner. (laughs) You're in one Jesus Jesus Christ I I
0: I'm I'm sorry, am I supposed to be imagining my sixteen year old self like looking back at zombie zone and every time I look back there's a Jack Sparrow in there and I hear a few seconds of on Broadway (laughs)
1: No, no.
0: You're supposed. Should I to, running about
1: this? You're supposed to hear just the few brief seconds
0: of "He's a Pirate" by Klaus Badelt. <laughs> you know, I I have a dance remix of that somewhere. <laughs> Me too. DJ Tiësto. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love how this worked its way back to partying. But, you know what, on the other hand, I, I feel like this is going to be a really loose episode and I'm fine with that for this one. Yeah, it I feel, totally calls I feel for like it. We really need the breather and the time to get this all out of our systems. The thing that gets me about this story is that, you know, meanwhile, I I've, I've been out with, you know, other cosplayers at other times such as this man was even a cosplayer, I don't know. But I have been with people who were definitely cosplayers who have caused very appropriate reactions in public. I mean, I was I was with a Loki cosplayer once who distracted somebody so badly that um, it caused a minor car accident. <laughs> um, which, you know, kind of feels like the sort of thing that would happen in this episode. I just, I, you know, especially considering we, we haven't really talked about about the specifics of the Loki-Thor relationship in this episode, which is, for one thing, apparently not being glamoured his whole life means that Loki is actually Frost Giant-sized. And he and Thor are, as um, the artist Brianna Garcia pointed out, they're basically the wholesome bro meme.
1: And yeah, going back to what I said earlier about the lightness just bringing out the darkness of everywhere else that we've seen them of uh, this really would have been their relationship is the healthiest we have ever seen it and it's all because and it's all because (laughs) they never lived as brothers and it kind of has the moral of the story being that siblings are terrible if you have to live with them your whole life and if you see a crying helpless infant always leave them where you found them
0: I mean, I found one of those in a Starbucks once, but I actually brought her to a firehouse. Uh. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's, that's actually what you're supposed to do if you're not the All Father.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the real irony of uh, the effect of Thor and Loki's relationship in this is that simply by keeping Loki on Jotunheim, Odin ended up what can only be described as a far better peace treaty with the Frost Giants than there ever was in the main timeline.
0: I mean, you know, the opening um, exposition that we're given on, like, what makes this universe different, you know, when they show Odin bringing Laufey the baby back, Laufey looks thrilled. And it actually comes off like that was the kind of thing where it's like, you know, that moment of kindness ended up, you know serving as a bit of a peace treaty in its own right. Like that was the impression I got actually in that when they show that it's that, you know, Odin rescued Laufey's child, even though they were at war with each other and brought him back to Laufey. And it's, and, you know, and considering that at this point it seems like now, you know, Thor and Loki are on great terms and presumably they're the heirs to their respective thrones at this point. You know, so they're, at this point, you know, even if they're kind of going out and doing frat bro hijinks all the time. (laughs) Well, I mean, also, this episode, if you think about it, finally did a canon version, like more so than the one variant that we saw in the Loki show. This finally went ahead and made a canon version of something that fandom has been wanting (laughs) since 2011, which is a Loki that grew up as a Jotun
1: yeah and i cannot wait to see all the cosplayers trying to t- attempt their own version of this
0: oh my god like, how I need to do think you about make that. the ice
1: crown <laughs> that's what i want to know <laughs> 3d printers baby oh <laughs> uh, but going back a little bit uh I was just thinking of how many Odins were pruned by the TVA for being too good of fathers or too just of rulers or not being manipulative enough.
0: Well, do, do you ever think about the real hidden. The, the real hidden darkness of this episode, actually, though, is all this is going on and he still did such a bad job with his first child that she's probably still locked away until he dies. Ah, oh yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, they seem to be on much better terms with a uh, searcher in this as well, considering that he's just here to chat up the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't believe they did that. guy. <laughs> <laughs> was that actually Clancy Brown. It would not shock me if they got Clancy Brown for this. I don't
1: know. Maybe I'll have to look.
0: You know the main thing that that got me like vocally about this episode, other than, um, other than uh, noticing that there were several times in this that, where I I want to say that this Loki fell a lot more into what I've picked up as being Tom Hiddleston's natural cadence versus how he normally has Loki talk. <laughs>
1: um. Well, I mean. <laughs> It was very overwhelmingly obvious that Thor and Loki talked way more, uh, not American casual, but just, like, way more, like...
0: I did end up looking it up while I was watching the episode to see if they actually did get Natalie Portman to do Jane's voice, which they did. That was Natalie Portman. mm mm-hmm. um, well, you know, some they, they're not always able to get everybody. And, I mean, I guess it makes sense that they'd be able to get her since, she, you know, she was filming Love and Thunder. But, you know, she's never voiced Padme in any of the Star Wars projects. And, you know, I hate to put it this way, but for not being a professional voice actress, her delivery in this was a hell of a lot more natural sounding, even for a cartoon character, than her... Um, than, than the the voice actress that usually covers for her in Star Wars projects.
1: Ah,
0: and I cannot remember what it was, but I learned something like very politically unpleasant about that actress recently. So I don't feel bad saying that the Hollywood star did the job better. Mm. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but there was it was something along the lines about like, hmm, I'm never going to ca- count. It, I'm never going to care about any of your opinions again. So um. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Yeah, yeah, no, so it was... It was it was nice realizing that that was Natalie Portman, and she did a great job voice acting.
1: Mm-hmm. Ah, right. so... Okay, there is another grievance I have uh, with this episode, and that is... So Disney Plus shows can show us bestiality they can show us visual shorthand that corg clearly took ecstasy and is rolling in the deep but they can't show us (laughs) thor and jane waking up in the same bed
0: (laughs) you know i did see a bra hanging over a lamp though so maybe it did happen
1: okay but it's like
0: Maybe she just pulled her flannel back on or something.
1: Okay, but why
0: would Thoris like, wake up so far away from her if they were in the same room? You know, it's entirely possible, you know, if you really want to get into it, she's small. They made a point of that. <laughs> he, you know what, he, he very well, considering that I'm pretty sure that she's just wearing her flannel and you see her bra hanging over a lamp... You know, I don't want to give them too much credit here, but on the other hand, he probably could have quite literally just, like, you know, held her up around his hips for it. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, who the hell knows what happened last night? Where did where did Fandral find those possums? Oh my
1: god. So, as soon as I saw Fandral waking up with possums, I immediately texted
0: Megan of, like, saying, Fandral and Loki confirmed. I, I have a long-standing like, joke with a handful of my friends that Loki is a possum. Specifically, he's a North American possum.
1: Like, of Uh, so many fans, when they give like, Loki, like, an animal persona, it's almost always a black cat, but Megan is the only one who says, like, no, if you'd ever have, like, uh, take on an animal form that fits a personality, you would have to be a possum.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna come out and say it. I think Loki's persona should be a possum. To the
1: point where she has posted on social media several photographs of Loki in the MCU with a possum as, a, like, a counterpart duality thing.
0: I mean, it's true. You know, I when I proposed this to my friend Anne at this point, like, probably eight or nine years ago, a friend of hers actually drew you know, a, a little cartoon possum Loki standing next to a cat Thor who has like cat Thor even has like a little mjolnir hanging from his collar. And this, you know, this kind of wretched little possum Loki wearing a crown and just being like, it's okay. You can say it. I know I'm adopted. And then like this big fluffy <laughs> Odin cat turning around, like who told you? You like, <laughs> like it's, it's a thing. And, you know, and it's it's great, because, you know, possums under certain conditions are adorable, and sometimes they look like something that came out of your worst (laughs) nightmares.
1: (laughs) So, yes, that was why I found it hilarious that Fandral (laughs) woke up next to possums, considering that in earlier episodes we have talked about the idea of Fandral and Loki having slept together once.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they pretty much confirmed that in the comics at one point, so... (laughs) And also, just the the sheer, yeah, this is the kind of thing that would happen in this kind of friend group situation of Loki having apparently slept with two of his brother's friends. (laughs) Uh,
1: Speaking of, I have been asking myself so many times this past week, would I still tap Frost Giant Loki? And I've given it much thought and cannot come up with a satisfactory answer that would not paint me a hypocrite
0: either way. (laughs) um expand on that (laughs) no I shall not (laughs) okay
1: I know it was played as a joke as was everything in this episode but I'm still not entirely sure how I'm supposed to feel about the implication of Darcy marrying Howard the Duck. And I'm just No,
0: she would not be Howard the Duck's first human female love interest. But like that's that's, the that's thing. a whole like, unsettling, well established it, thing with Howard the Duck. I just
1: found Duck. it so weird that she was basically taking on Leah Thompson's role, <laughs> if you will.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they got married by an Elvis impersonator, just she's you know what I did think was really cute in this was the maps. Whenever they showed uh you oh, know, Thor and Carol fighting. Oh, yeah. and how they and how they just made how they would just like superimpose the names of the they made the world look like a map but also like a but also like an aerial photo of um, the power grid.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think that if 2012 Variant Loki saw this timeline, he would then proceed to walk into the nearest ocean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know what? He probably would be mildly bothered by this because this Loki appears to be a little bit of a fuckboy where dating is concerned. And we now know that, you know, Variant. I, you know what, I'm the worst fan, I can't actually remember what his variant designation is. Um. I, I cannot remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Although, but anyway, you know, TV show Loki, as we've already discussed, is surprisingly a very good boyfriend.
1: Yes, and it has to take this alternate timeline to show Thor being
0: a good boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, for that matter, but, you know, I I can't help but feel that he would, that regular, or if not regular, I guess, you know, TV show Loki would probably, he would probably cringe quite a bit at the whole, hey, Earth girl. (laughs) 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 You want to go on a double date? You know,
1: that whole thing. I really shouldn't have been surprised that uh, this would probably be the closest we have ever seen of a possible hint of Loki and Darcy meeting each other. (laughs) 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 Like, of course, it would be in that manner. Of course, if they were to ever get together, it would be in the
0: most absurd way possible. (laughs) I, I enjoyed all the Grandmaster cameos in this quite a bit. Oh my god. I that They were just
1: hysterical.
0: I, I ended up actually telling Jess right afterward that I thought that the gag with him and Topaz on the Rascals at the end was probably the single most Jess's humor thing I have seen in anything MCU adjacent so far. And the
1: easiest paycheck Jeff Goldblum has ever made.
0: And we're keeping the scoot scoots.
1: <laughs> oh my god. It. So what makes it even funnier is that I have this friend who uh, usually has like a hotel party uh, each Dragon Con and each year has like a really crazy uh, fandom theme and one of those years uh, she cosplayed as the Grandmaster so I was just thinking of her the whole time.
0: <laughs> Release the phone. <foam. laughs>
1: She absolutely would have done that if she could.
0: You know, a couple of years ago, I made, basically as just like an audio shit post. I, I made a very joking playlist for somebody who was trying to throw a masquerade party, with, ideally without the miserable ending for either of them, in the vein of like Phantom of the Opera or the carnival and the terror. That was actually the direct inspiration. And she was just like, you know, do you have any, like, modern-day Carnival jams? And I just made, like, the worst party playlist. I, I sent it to Maureen earlier. Like, it, it does, in fact, have Sandstorm on it. And looking at it again, I was like, wow, oh, that is also this episode. This playlist completely works for this episode. <laughs> 24-hour party people. <laughs> I just I mean it, it's it's like an, I know I said that it has the vibe of a Shrek sequel but you know what this was also the Muppets from space oh of the MCU. yeah <laughs> yeah I mean you know it just happens to have the you know the climax toward the beginning but the aliens are here and they want to party with you.
1: <laughs> Vikings from space Oh my god, and they even feature a <laughs> blue alien who finds his people and sense of belonging. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god, oh, oh no, no. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you realize what you've just put in my head? What? you just put in my head the idea of, like, a series... Loki playlist that has the Rachel Yamagata cover of I'm Gonna Go Back There Someday on it. Oh no <laughs> okay. Is is that not is that not them kinda snuggling on Lamentus like oh. <laughs> Or snuggling in or like much more snuggling in the in the void? Like is that not what that is? Oh my
1: god.
0: There's not a word yet for old friends who've just met. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Look, look, I I know it's Muppets, but come on, that's sweet. No, to
1: be honest, I am kind of shocked and offended that the Muppets and the MCU have yet to intersect.
0: Okay, but I I'm going to forgive them for that because this week also streaming on Disney Plus, we get Muppet Haunted Mansion.
1: Hey, how's that for synergy?
0: Which which is possibly the single most Megan thing that has ever been made.
1: The algorithms I... man, they know everything you do.
0: <laughs> no, you have to understand that All day, every day, people are sending me Muppet stuff, and they send me Haunted Mansion stuff, and now it's both. It's both. (laughs) It's Muppet's Haunted
1: Mansion. It is the chocolate and peanut butter of Disney Plus specials.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, you know, I... It's, It's late right now when we're recording this, and you have to understand, I am... I am actually wearing a sleep tunic that is the Haunted Mansion wallpaper <laughs> right now. Like that that is how I'm I'm not that much of a Disney adult in that sense, but I am unfortunately a Haunted Mansion adult, which I understand is a subcategory, but we we're I guess able to go more stealth about it. <laughs>
1: She is one of those Haunted Mansion adults who get slightly disappointed whenever they make room for a Nightmare Before Christmas characters.
0: I wouldn't mind it if they didn't do it for like a third of its operating year. Mm. (laughs) I have seen it. I thought it was cute. I just, I don't know if I ever need to see it again. It's practically a different ride. And... You know what? And I also have no interest in going to Florida, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which isn't even the. I didn't mean that as the political joke. It sounds like, but also, yeah, for political reasons no, too. No, either
1: way, <laughs> you couldn't I, to I go to would, Florida. <laughs> I,
0: I am much more interested in donating to help flip it blue, because it's. I don't have anything against all the people that are functionally trapped there, but right now, screw the political climate in Florida. Yeah. speaking of uh, Disney theme parks though apparently uh, Loki is back to wearing his Asgardian armor at and Disneyland I do not
1: know how they're going to explain that
0: I don't know either I do not know what point in continuity he's supposed to come from anymore I kind of hope that they've just given up on that now now that they don't have like a promotional tie in to make and they just put themselves into a corner <laughs> I mean, you know, I've, I've kind of always, you know, any, there have been a lot of times that I've written a Loki that specifically like not the main role playing one, but, um, that I've talked about on here that actually had like a whole lot of continuity, but there was one that I played actually in a Tumblr, uh, role playing group a lot. And, and whenever I had to explain his position in continuity, I would just have him hand wave it pretty much in-universe. Just making comments about like, yeah, well, you know, I die a lot. <laughs> or just, just, you know. <laughs> that just kind of, and, and that's kind of what I hope they're doing. Just, just having him just be like, yeah, that happens. <laughs> it's like Hayao you know, the-
1: Miyazaki retiring. It just happens every now and then. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm thinking now of before they actually owned Star Wars and then started making everything so exhaustively continuous that apparently every time you're in Galaxy's Edge, it's the same day. Yes, it's like it's a park specific... in Westworld. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. But before they did that, they used to have a delightful little show that they would do on Star Wars weekends in Florida called Hyperspace Hoopla. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where if you've ever seen any of those dancing Darth Vader gifts, where he's clearly uh, he's clearly doing the, the dance from bad, that's where those are from. It was it, the entire idea was that it was a kind of time and space shattering variety show that had a bunch of characters doing a dance off. If you look it up, you can see one video that's basically all of the villains, from the franchise at the time, dancing to, uh, Fight for Your Right to Party. And that's one of the fun things about that show, is it
1: does not give a shit about continuity. It just, like, do, let's just have all the characters up on here and dancing. Because, like, Leia dances with Padme,
0: and, uh, there's, like, another female Jedi there. <laughs> yeah, well, and more to the point, it, all, it does have its own... St- like there is a palpatine that appear- actually this is very funny in light of what they ended up doing in the movies but they had you know when you watch the fight for your right to party video there is a palpatine there but we later found out in the show cuz I, I i remember seeing this on a like in a star wars group years ago there's a in the sh- at the end of the show it turns out that that was actually specifically a dance double that palpatine hired so they could win the competition <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and, the re- and because Palpatine in this show is basically a Mel Brooks character <laughs> and that's what got me thinking about this because again with the loose relationship to continuity when he first shows up the hosts are like but we thought This is another thing that is incredibly funny now in light of what they ended up doing in the movies. The hosts are like, but we thought that you were dead forever when Darth Vader threw you down that that exploding reactor shaft. And he's just like, if I had a nickel for every time somebody threw me down an exploding (laughs) reactor shaft. (laughs) Uh, Oh my god. (laughs)
1: And J.J. Abrams just took that entirely seriously.
0: <laughs> I I'm doing my best to turn that into a, into you know a new Twitter reaction format again. I've I've lately been passing around exasperated looking uh, Poe Dameron just saying, "A virgin, light <laughs> the candle."
1: Oh my God!
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Incidentally, if um, you're going to be at uh, New York Comic Con this week, so are we.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's actually going to be one day where uh, Maureen is actually going to be in her Sylvie costume again.
1: And I'll be passing
0: out business cards. Yay! <laughs> um, and I will be basically just Disney bounding those minutes. <laughs> um. Because it turns out that somebody at Dragon Con had exactly the same Miss Minutes dress idea I did. (laughs) To an extent where I would have felt weird doing that again. So I just get to be super coordinated. And maybe wear fake eyelashes. I don't know. Something to make me look just a little too awake. Well, the
1: thing is you... You have the exact same hair color of Miss Minutes's
0: body, so it's really just... <laughs> I was I was waiting to hear where that sentence was going to go. Like, you have the exact same hair color as, and I'm like, where is this leading? <laughs> what are you about to say <laughs> as Miss Minutes' what? Because... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's very late over here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's getting late over here, too, so we should probably say our final thoughts on this episode. <laughs>
0: um, I really enjoyed that the, the main trajectory of the Thor and Jane relationship in this was quite literally the the Party Rockers in the House Tonight name. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, actually, it's Party Rock is, and then they make out.
1: Hmm. I loved, uh, how maria hill in this episode had the perspective of she's living through with the movie independence day and she's not counting on jane to have the point of view of like but have you considered that the leader
0: of the aliens lays really good pipe that reminds me have you seen the the Will Smith is hosting a National Geographic show called Welcome to Earth.
1: Oh my god, that's hilarious!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Call that a close encounter.
1: Truly, a better era was the turn of the millennium.
0: (laughs) Anytime I'm talking to somebody and they propose a, a... a Wild West AU of anything I have to be. Well, what about a Wild West <laughs> AU? Hit it, Will, and just automatically somehow figure out a way of throwing that music video into the ah, uh, the
1: conversation. The movie that introduced normal people to steampunk. <laughs>
0: And the, that was also the movie that finally got that giant robot spider that Warner Brothers was so determined to put in something around that time.
1: That was the movie Will Smith turned down the Matrix for. <laughs> <laughs> that is you know, true, by the way.
0: You know, the other day I found myself having a long conversation with, um, with Gibson about the many, many references in the Broadway version of Dance of the Vampires that seem to have been put in there for no reason other than to have them. And I had the horrified realization, even though I joked about it looking like this before, I'm pretty sure that the finale costumes in that were Matrix jokes.
1: Of course they'd be. Because, like, in the late 90s, people simply associated the Matrix with the goth lifestyle as just like one the same there was no separation
0: incidentally uh, work is now going to be really picking up on um, a good nightmare comes so rarely because I went to the Broadway flea market yesterday and I just carried around a sign that said were you in dance of the vampires did you see it have you seen the European version (laughs) Would you be interested in talking about this for an upcoming podcast? And it turns out that there were a lot of people there who had a lot to say about Dance of the Vampires. So stay tuned. Work is actually going forward on our other show. Yep. And stay tuned
1: too, because next, I know in less than a week, uh, Megan and I will be recording again in the same room for our next episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, as excited as we are for Muppets Haunted Mansion, you're not prepared for the burden with glorious podcast Halloween spooktacular.
1: Oh, that's right, we have some. (laughs) Oh, that's right, we have
0: a spooky, scary boys becoming men, (laughs) men becoming wolves.
1: (laughs) Ah, truly the most wonderful time of the year.
0: Well, my closing thought is, if any of you guys have a chance, go on YouTube and look up DJ Cumberbun Monster Wop, because it turns <laughs> out that somebody out there thought it was a good idea to mash up uh, Wop and uh, the Monster Mash. <laughs> this is a thing that exists, and I, I, the people need to be informed. You know, I kind
1: of knew that something like that mashup would only be inevitable just because when I first heard WAP, I feel like, okay, but why couldn't Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion walk through, like, a haunted mansion and the course would be, there's some ghosts in this house, there's some ghosts in this house.
0: Oh, well, you know, that is kind of... Uh that that sample is actually kind of pitched along to provide backing vocals that kind of fit the wah wahoo, wah Well, <laughs> but I think my I think my favorite thing about it is that somebody actually got on there and did the the, the Boris Karloff impression vocals it was a monster wop oh it was a graveyard oh, flop. Yeah. macaroni in a pot <laughs> they did the monster walk i mean oh my gosh i mean dj cummerbund in general is an absolute madman when it comes to this um i think my other favorite thing of his i i you know what i don't care at this point if i'm just doing like an entire unpaid (laughs) commercial, you know, this is, this is our late night commercial for, you know, order now and you'll get the best of DJ Commerbond. Um including, you know, one, there's something that's an edited version or, or like a slightly pared down version of one of his. It's actually apparently been a really big hit on TikTok lately, which is a mashup between toxic and, uh, and love shack. However, If you don't look up the original mashup version of it that you made, that he made, sorry, however, if you don't look up the original mashup version of it that he made, you're missing out on the fact that it's actually a mashup between Toxic, Love Shack, and Dragula by Rob Zombie. Oh, that's right. and he actually got the b52's guy to provide some my drag you la <laughs> interjections in there. So yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> you know what? It was it was a party episode. It was a part it was an episode about slacking off and you know what? So was this. Yep. Yeah, this? can't complain. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm i sorry about the fact that I realize that this is... That if the next episode is the Halloween spooktacular, I just realized that that means that it's probably going to be another month before we get to Thor Ragnarok. But you know what? We really want to space this out. We're, we're going to space this out. We're going to give you, you time to really marinate in it. We're going to give you time to... Uh... We're running out of Loki movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's also part of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> please don't make us do original content. <laughs> oh no! Believe me, I am I am ready to do all kinds of original content, but I don't think you guys are ready for me. To do <laughs> <content>. <laughs> okay. Um. Remember to tip your delivery people generously. There's still a pandemic going on and we will see you on the spooky side.